Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I'm coming on to you at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio, as well as Facebook Live. And I don't plan on being on Facebook Live long because I still have not bought me a new phone to update my camera. So I know my daughter said about my camera, so I'm not bore you guys with that. So I want to first thank my Heavenly Father for blessing me this morning. And I also want to thank my loyal listeners that have been joining in, tuning in, listening as these shows are being placed on Internet radio. I always tell you guys that if you're not available at the time of the live show, you can also click on the link at any time to listen to the show for the day as well as any shows that were previously recorded. Now, today, we're going to be talking about chaos. Now, as you know, my, my grandson always reminds me I'm kind of addicted to CNN, so I'm constantly watching the news. I'm watching what's going on in our world. I'm watching what's going on in our local community. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, reading people's posts and responding to things. And when I look at all the chaos that is occurring, whether it has to do with people in their family, because individuals are going through a lot of family drama and pain, people are passing away, you know, the birth of a family member. It is just so much going on, unemployment, violence, this political stuff. So we have chaos all amongst us. So when we start talking about this chaos, chaos is confusion or a confused mass being in any form or basically we call it disorder. We call it out of pocket. It is characterized as order or disorder, lawlessness, unpredictability, and instability. So when we start talking about as a believer, what are we supposed to do? How can we bring back some normalcy? How can we have some peace in our home, peace in our community, peace in our society? And we just celebrated in the remembrance of Martin Luther King of his birthday. And Martin Luther King was coming, I had a dream. One of the things is I look at, and I'm not real big on politics, but the one thing i got to give Biden credit for is he's bringing together diversity. He's bringing a bunch of individuals that look like us. When I look at his cabinet, I'm like, wow, finally. You know, and it's a shame, and it's sad because so many people are so intimidated by other individuals instead of utilizing their gifts and talents We're so afraid of other people's gifts and talents, thinking that they're going to do better or succeed, and we're spreading so much false information, it's adding to the chaos. I remember a long time ago being a social worker, and I had a supervisor, and I had to tell this supervisor one time, if you're not going to be part of a solution, don't add to to the problem, and I meant that. So... What I'm seeing today is I have this platform. If you want to call in and join in on a conversation, give me a call at 516-387-1914 because I want to hear what you have to say. Now, remember this show is also broadcast in different countries. It's translated into different languages. All you have to do, if you don't believe me, you can just Google Jeanette Abney podcast, it was 2020, and maybe 2021, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's also on iHeartRadio and anywhere you can get your local podcast. So I want you to know that you do have a voice. Your words and what you say and how you feel is important. So give me a call and let's talk about it. And like I said, I'm not going to be on Facebook Live long because um, my little gadgets, my batteries are going down low since I have not upgraded my phones. I think I'm on iPhone 5 and, and 6, and I think we have iPhone 12 now. So my daughter better hurry up and get me to the Verizon store or T-Mobile or somewhere so I can get me in the phone. So, now, we start talking about chaos. Today's show, as you know, is Tuesday, and that's when we do the show, From the Pulpit to the Couch, where we will basically be providing biblical teaching as it relates to today's worldly talk. Now, we're going to be addressing how do we find God in the midst of all of this chaos. And 
is what we are experiencing, is it too big for God? Because we always say, won't he do it? Nothing's too big for God. He can handle this. So we're going to be talking about that. And not to mention, as a believer, how should we respond to this chaos? You know, should we be engaging in it, interacting with it, ignoring it? What are we supposed to do? You know, because we always say we're in this world, but we're not of this world. So we're going to be talking about some of these things. So, again, if you're out there, if you're in ministry and you want to share some information with individuals, please call in because you guys know I like to talk, but I don't like talking about myself for a whole hour. So give me a call at 516-387-1914 because i got to get these gadgets going. Now, we start talking about these things in regard to the unpredictability and the instability. Some of this stuff we already knew that was good. We knew it was going to go down like this. We really did. So it wasn't, it wasn't like God caught us by surprise. Because if we go and we read the word and we go and we look and we, we have the discernment and the wisdom of what's in our Bible, it's already in there. But by that same token, even when we start talking about evildoers and when we start talking about, you know, I did a show, I think it was last Tuesday, and we talked about so many different topics, even even to prosperity, how God wants us all to prosper. But by that same token, we should not be dealing with all this confusion because God is not the author of all this confusion. He, he really isn't. But a lot of times we start looking at this, we want to point the finger and we want to blame somebody for how we're feeling and what's going on in the world. Now, I see you, Harold. I see you out there. You know you can call in. You too, Linda. So I will be talking about myself. So if you guys want to call in on the show, give me a call. Don't be shy. Don't be making it seem like you don't have nothing to say or your voice don't matter because it really do. And I do want to hear from you guys, especially my childhood friends and the people that I grew up with. Now, when we start talking about this chaos, Chaos is also a natural result of God's absence. So we wonder, well, you know, he gives us free will. We have the ability to make decisions. We have choices. We have options. So why are we doing some of the stuff that we are doing? Lower? Okay. Looks like i got to go off Facebook uh, because Facebook Live, my phone just got too hot. Now, it's crazy when it gets too hot just sitting in the house, but that's okay. So I guess what that means is this conversation is just hot. So, so I'm going to leave it alone because Facebook is my phone. Okay, Tisha, you better hurry up and get me in this phone because my phone is on fire. So I'm off of Facebook. Sorry, you guys. My phone got hot. wouldn't take it no more. So like I said, I guess the conversation was just, too heavy for this phone to even carry, so I, I, can, I can handle that. Now, when we start talking about this topic, and I just start talking about it because we're going to get into it, and like I said, I try to stay in my lane because I am a licensed therapist, and in being a therapist, part of what I hear is a lot of chaos, confusion, individuals struggling with, with different things and, and what's going on in their family and their feelings or emotions and, and mental health. And, you know, so all of that, it, it's just sometimes it's chaos not only in, your, in the mind. I want to share with you some information, and I'm looking at it in regards to, and it's coming from what's called livingwaterunity.org. And it talks about chaos in the Old Testament. Because even when we start talking about the Bible, it's all in, it's written all in the Bible. Now, with that, they go into human history, and they talk about it peppered with societies that rise to affluences and power only to disappear in the next instance of time. So when we start talking about things like religion and we start talking about different changes and, and things that's happening in different culture which then arise again, we start talking about the ashes of conflict because chaos has a big part, a plays a big part in conflict. 
Now, one of the things they talk about is chaos is defined as confusion or confused mass. Now, we start talking about the mass. We talk about people of formless matters and infinite space supposed to have existed before the ordered universe. Any mixed mass without formal order from the Greek, chaos, and they start talking about the universal order. And in society now, chaos is characterized as disorder, lawlessness, unpredictability, instability. Now, chaos personally shows itself as an unawareness of order in the lives of many, an extreme uncertainty and confusion regarding appropriate action. And even when we start talking about not only just appropriate action, but complete absence of personal direction and unpredictability of future circumstances. So a lot of times when we have this chaos, it's kind of fear-based meaning we don't know what's going on. Things are not going the way we want it to go. People sometimes get all caught up in in different things, and so the system becomes broken. Now, as chaos approaches the threshold of affecting fundamental changes in the system, it describes, as it's said to be, the system is in crisis. Now, when I look at CNN and I'm looking at our world and the news and and people in military uniforms and bringing in the National Guards. And I'm like, really? You know, I remember when I was telling um, a friend of mine, I used to have nightmares as a kid of something like this happening, only for 50 years later for this stuff to be going on. Because one of the things we weren't supposed to be having is on our land in the United States, but we are. And it's like, okay, what is this going to look like? Now, when we start talking about it from a biblical lens, and they go into Judeo-Christian scriptures, provides us with illuminating lens and principles and examples to help us better understand our life experiences, clarifying our misunderstanding, focusing our attention on our true purpose, and revealing methods for achieving that purpose. Now, the Old Testament represents the process of our spiritual awakening our movement in the consciousness that from the Adam mind to the Christ mind. Therefore, it is an effective tool for the examination of the conditions and the effects of chaos on our own arising in our consciousness. So when we start talking about these things happening, and even historically, it's like, okay, so what was going on back then, and why are we still dealing with this now? And it wasn't until the later half of the 20th century, most scientists looked at the universe as what they call the cosmos and the order entity ruled by the fundamental laws, that they were the same in every place and every time. The law of gravity defined the rules of interactions and massive bodies, the speed of light. So when we start talking about even the what we see in now, and we've seen it all over the world, I guess we just thought, well, it had never happened over here. You know, we, we, we're too civilized to be having to experience this. But even when we looked at what happened at the Capitol, it's sad, but some of these individuals were saying so much false information so it goes back until, like, we were taught as a child. If you keep hearing a lie or seeing a lie, people will start believing it. You might even start believing it yourself. And that is a problem. Now, as what I'm looking at, and it talks about in regards to the old testimony to chaos, an example, they go into theories, and they start talking about things, even in Judges in the Old Testament, the Hebrew people were continually threatened by its neighboring tribes or nations during and after their settling in the land of Canaan. And in the 13th, 12th, and 11th centuries, B.C.E., it is written in the books of Judges that each time the major threat aroused, a leader or judge came forth to organize the Hebrew people into a cohesive defensive unit, and then they're talking about to force the aggressor. Now, like I said, we're seeing this, but many of us are not into the word. And one can easily imagine that there were existed 
just prior to the selection of the judge, and they talk about the substantial amount of power by someone or some few to affect the judge's selection. And when the threat diminished or disappeared, the super tribe dissolved into its um, constituent tribes, each concerned with its own welfare. Now, think about that. Now, when we start talking about even political parties, you know, we got one saying, I'm for all the people. But then we got another saying, well, they weren't that bad. They were good. It's like, I love you. Really? Really? But yet now these individuals are going to be facing federal charges. How much do you love them? Why would individuals, and I'm going to say why, because I know why, but to just spread this type of stuff and causing chaos it's, it's really sad. Now, even when they start talking about, even in the Hebrew society, it was being trans by each aggregation of people in support of the judges to point that eventually demanded the appointment of a permanent monarch. Now, I want someone to call in and can perhaps better explain this than what I'm doing. Because, like I said, I don't really like going into a lot of biblical things, but even as I'm reading this and I'm looking at it, and they recall Samuel regarded as the father of prophecy and was the last judge warned the Hebrew people that the appointment of a monarch would have a lasting and detrimental effect. These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take up your son's and appoint them to his um, chariot and to be horsemen and to run before his um, chariot. He will take one-tenth of your flock, and you shall be his slave. And that day you will cry out because your king, whom you've chosen for yourself, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. And that's in First Samuel eight eleven through 17. Now, like I said, sometimes we fall into these traps. We got to be aware of um, false prophets. And it even goes into increasing political pressure and external threats caused by the Hebrew society to transform itself into a higher organization, the monarchy, the one could withstand these presence. These reorganizations of society was quite successful. Even though David rose in the house of Saul to threaten his rage regime, the threat perceived by Saul constituted an influx of energy. No reorganization was necessary. The monarchy survived, although the name of David rather than Saul. The Hebrew people flourished with increased abundance, greater national power, and improved personal safety. Now, right now, our personal safety is under attack. I received a text from someone telling me, be careful. They were talking about that somebody was saying that they was having an initiation, and part of the initiation was they were supposed to kill black people and all of this. And I told that person when I got that text, I wish a sucker, sucker would. You know, so the thing is, a lot of us, we start talking about our personal safety, if you trust and you believe in God, we fear not. But by that same token, we do have to use wisdom because there are some individuals out there that's on a whole nother mission. You know, I remember being a kid growing up in Compton and when drugs was really, really bad, and I'll never forget it seemed like it was a nightmare. And some people had got a bad batch of heroin. And my mother told us to stay in the, stay in the house, but no, Jeanette want to get all the kids in the neighborhood so we can go to the store. We walk into the store. We watching people looking like zombies. And I'm like, what in the world? It was so freaking scary. But by the same token, we're looking at people today, and it's like, what are you under the influence of? Who are you believing, and what are you prescribing to? Now, and, and the thing is, that's why, like I said, we got to get back into our word. We got to make sure that when we start talking about our personal safety, and so it to continue until the, the range of, of the reign of Solomon, 
but the seeds of destruction were sown in the celebration of Solomon's success. Solomon achieved his wealth through the increased taxation of the Hebrew people and of the, um, the conquered nation. He maintained power through his personal statue among the people and Israel's strength among those nations. Now, when we start talking about this, and like I said, some of the things we're not going to be able to change. Some things it's just best that we just gain a better understanding to figure out, okay, Jeanette, what is this all about? You know, a lot of times what we don't understand, what we don't know, we we try to we shut down. Now, even as I'm looking at this information, and like I said, this is just not what Jeanette is saying. This is coming from, like I said, livingwatersunity.org, and they talk about the forces caused by evil, suppression of the Hebrew society by the Messiah, once again punish or push the society past what they call it, this they break it point. And during this time, it is likely that a Hebrew priesthood went underground to begin writing what they call the Book of Deuteronomy. So when he, the, with the Book of Deuteronomy, it kind of goes back and it tells the story, and it talks about what the Messiah power held in check, both the forces that came into being because of his politics of suppression. Now, when we talk about suppression and we're talking about holding people back, we're looking at individuals with, with vaccines and COVID and, you know, you, you're trying to understand or gain a better understanding. They came up with a vaccine for one. Now we got a whole other strand. You know, I got individuals talking about their are filing unemployment claims and no one is answering the phones. And, you know, at first I used to see a lot of places where they were giving out food, but I don't even know if that is pretty much dried out up because you don't see a lot of that anymore. So it's like, okay, so what are people supposed to do? What is actually going on? Now we're going to be having a transition of power. Well, yeah, we got one talking about, um, I don't want to participate. I'm going to go and do my little own thing, you know. But and, and it's really, really sad. It's really sad. Now, as I'm getting back into this information, it, even though, when, like I said, I don't want to make this all about politics, but I do want individuals to call in and share some things that they may be experiencing, that they may be going through, to give them hope, to give them information, to give them resources. Because a lot of times when people are going through or they feel in some kind of way, they feel as if they're alone. They feel as if nobody cares. They feel as if that, you know, like why even bother? But you got to go back and you got to trust and you got to believe that God will never leave you nor forsake you and that he will always send you a comforter. And that's where when we start talking about what can people do and how should we respond during chaos and how do we find peace and can God even handle this chaos? And see, we always say that there's nothing too big for God, but by the same token, a lot of times men try to take things into their own hands. Now, I'm looking at an article, and it talks about God can handle chaos, even including yours. Now, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And that's in Genesis 1, verse 1 through 2. And if we're going to get anything out of Genesis, we must prepare ourselves. You know, because even when we start talking about how, how how this even came about, now I'm looking at something, and it was written, and it says that John Calvin in 1509 through 64 said, in his commentary on Genesis, the world is a mirror on which we ought to behold God. If my readers sincerely wish to profit me in meditating on the works of God, they must bring them with a sober, docile, mild, and humble spirit. That doesn't mean use the Bible for evil. That doesn't mean take the word and, and, and mix it all up. What happens is we have to remember 
that the orator of these words, Moses, saw an appearance of God at the burning bush, and God spoke with him face-to-face as a man speaks with his friends. And we also must not forget the power of these words, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus in 2 Timothy 3.15. Now, even when we go into the translation, and I'm looking at how people are surviving this administration, like I said, I'm addicted to CNN, and they're talking about survivors of Trump administration revolving door. And you've got the nerd, they got Ben Carson on here. <laughs> wow. You know, but the thing is, when we start looking at all of this, and, you know, and it's not to judge individuals. It's not to point the fingers at individuals. And like I said, how are some of these individuals even going to survive this? How is Ben Carson even going to get his name and reputation back? You know, how, and it's sad because this is not only – affecting them and the things that they've done and who they believed and trusted this man. But many individuals believe and trusted them too, but things are going to change. It is going to change. Now I want to get back to what we're talking about as we're talking about this topic with chaos. And even as we are talking about this, and I'm, I'm looking for some more information as it kind of relates to this topic, now, when we talk about chaos and we talk about confusion and we talk about darkness, darkness was over the surface, over the deep. Now, when we start talking about this darkness, sometimes, you know, when we are going through some things and we experience this darkness, we don't know if we got a way out. Just think about Pharaoh's army you know, being drowned in the depths in Exodus 15, 5, and in Deuteronomy, it talks about, it refers to the subterranean waters. So here was our first look at God's creation, formless, empty, black, and watery. Light was yet to be created. The water was yet to be put into its place. Solid ground for living and walking on had yet to be exposed. Now, when we start talking about mirroring these things, a lot of times when we look at things, it kind of, it may not be what we think it is. Now, even so, humanity was yet to be fashioned and, and lived in delightful different forms of male and female. Now, the person that wrote that article, Calvin calls the creation at this moment, the seed of the whole world, the basal or the foundation of a house. And when he goes into the vessel, vessel, and there are pleasing and correct analogies, for it is neither beautiful or ugly, pleasant or unpleasant, but it's full of potential. Now, even though what we are going through, it is full of potential. And I want to know what what have you learned? What did you what are you what have you learned about politics from what we've seen? What have you learned? I mean, because I never thought when we talk about the United States, they talking about United States this, United States that, I guess because I never visited no other country besides going to Mexico. And um, I only saw the the part of Mexico that, you know, most people would probably want to be in. But I never had those thoughts. I never, because I never, I wouldn't let nobody feed me all of this stuff because it just didn't make sense to me. Now, when we start talking about with all of this chaos and talking about in the minds, Many people are fooled and can be fooled by anyone. Now, as I'm looking at this article, and it goes into not only talking about um, the chaos, is they can be fooled because they don't know God. They are senseless children. They have no understanding. They are skilled sometimes in doing evil. They know not how to do good. And it indicates they look at the earth and it was formless and empty, and at the heavens they thought light was gone. And look, they looked at the mountains and there were crackling, all the hills were swaying, and it looked as like there was no people. Now, as you look at things of this like this, it ruins before Lord and before fierce anger. And in Jeremiah four twenty two through twenty six, now. When we start talking about this, and I want to go into, if we are doing all of this and 
you know, and does God stand aloof from the world and all of his chaotic agony? His caring, brawny presence is very near, and he is at work. And it's interesting because sometimes when we want to know where is God amongst all of this, where is our Savior, you know, because we know that God is in control, but by that same token, sometimes individuals are, I've heard them say, I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on him to come fix this. I'm waiting on him to show up and show out. Now, I'm looking at another article, and it kind of goes into why are we shocked? Why are we so surprised as a Christian or as a believer? Now, as a believer, the killing and the chaos amongst us shouldn't be a surprise if we read our Bible as much as we should. Now, it doesn't mean that we got to go to be in seminary training or anything like that. Just read your word. Because God gives us wisdom. So here's some information, and it talks about three straightforward reasons why Christians, believers, should not be surprised. One, chaos and rebellion is human nature apart from Christ. Now, we start talking about the chaos, the rebellion, are all very ingrained nature of all of us before Jesus Christ becomes the Savior of our lives. Consider the Apostle Paul before he had a radical personal experience with the risen Jesus Christ on the road of Damascus. He watched over the coat of those stoning Stephen. In fact, he was on his way to persecute and arrest followers of Jesus when he was intercepted by God. Now, before Christ, Paul was not only capable of the things we see in the news today, he actually did them. And are we surprised to hear stories of mobs throwing stones at windows and other human beings? Huh. Because the truth is, if it were not for God's saving grace in our own lives, it's quite possible we'll follow in Paul's footsteps or doing the same or even worse. God equates hating another in our own hearts with physical murder. Yet, we are astounded at the hate that manifests in racism and heartbreaking murder on our city streets. Now, the article talks about they base it on God's words that you and I, apart from Christ, are capable of the very sin and even much worse. And they seen that even in the tragic video of George Floyd. Now, one of the things, and um, I want to speak on this, and I'm looking at it, of the divided America on a verge of Trump's presidency ends and Biden's beginning, they are um, what they call vetting individuals to make sure that individuals that are supposed to be protecting us, that are in uniform, are who they are, are believing what they're supposed to be leaving, or doing the work that they're supposed to be doing. Because sometimes when you put a person in a uniform, they may abuse that power. Or you give a person a particular assignment, you got to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Now, as Christ followers, murder, racism, looting should deeply grieve us. However, it should not come as a shock. These are, after all, an exposure of the dark human conditions apart from Christ. And in a way, they are an exposure of our hearts. And it is not, if it wasn't for grace of the Almighty God, all of us apart from Christ are capable of the very things we grieve over. You know, I remember even myself, even in my family, you know, you, you say you love people, then you fight each other, you you do things, you'd be like, well, that's not Christ-like. But if they was a Christian, they wouldn't be doing da 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 But the thing is, and like I said, this should humble us, bringing us to our knees in prayer of gratitude for our salvation and on behalf of everyone who does not know Jesus is our Savior 
that's how we changed our ways. That's how we, we learned not to do things that we probably once would have done. It doesn't mean we can't be forgiven, but when we start looking at this, it makes you wonder, why are these people acting like this? What have gotten into them to have them do this? So that was the first reason. The second reason chaos is a natural disaster or, or oh, I'm sorry, chaos is a natural result of God's absence. Society has us believe the lie that excluding God from everyday life will simply leave the religious void that will benefit us all, but that's not so. Even atheists are starting to admit it. God is the very creator of order. Now, he spoke to us um, in a systematic universe, came into being, all it takes is a quick and honest look around us. We see order in everything from flower to the human eye, from the DNA to God's perfect design for family. So naturally, when society rejects God and his established perfect order as outlined in this world, what else can we expect but chaos? We see that when society rejects God's plan and structure for family, he's calling for leaders to be godly and for citizens to respect authority, his Ten Commandments for loving him and our neighbors, anywhere in society has shouted to God to get out, results in chaos. And it, I, I want to go back into something, and it was something that I saw on my LinkedIn page. And I, I kind of I screenshotted it, so I'm going to read it word for word. I don't remember the name of the person, because I don't know if I got that part, but it was interesting how they were talking about, you know, because they're coming up with, a whole lot of stuff. And it was going into Romans 12 and 19 and a New King's Version, and it says, do not take revenge. A dear friend, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. I trust God's written word. I believe God's written word. I believe God's promises to the written word. Now, one of the things that I saw when I was looking at this, and and I'm going on into some of the things that they were talking about, and it says, read God's written words in 2 Timothy um, 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the, the word of truth. And now, this is something, and the way this came about was someone said something about God can't be black, or and somebody said, if God was, if God was black, they would have beat him to death. And somebody said, they um, responded, it was like, um, did you not read that he was stoned? Did you not read? And I was like, wow, wow. Sometimes if you talk to a person long enough, you listen with that third ear and you have the discernment, then you'll know, you know what, this person don't know what they're talking about or this individual is going to try to lead someone astray. But see, but that's how a lot of times individuals get so caught up because they be so busy trying to fit in. And as they're trying to fit in, they're not paying attention or not as if they forgot about the word consequences. There's consequences for individuals' behavior. So as I was going through that and I was looking at that and, you know, no matter what social media platform you're on, we're getting so much conflicting information, you know. And I I started the show and I was talking about how yesterday individuals were celebrating Martin Luther King's birthday, but yet we didn't get to have a lot of the celebrations that we normally had. You know, I've seen individuals post pictures with Martin Luther King, Barack Obama, and um. Kamala, Kamala, I won't say her name wrong, but Kamala. And it's interesting how, like I said, we're talking about unity. We're talking about peace. We're talking about how we can just try to work and try to make things and make this place a better place than what we have going on. And like I said, a lot of times the first thing people want to do is throw God's name in there, but they only want to use it when it's convenient and they want him out when they don't want him to see what, he, what people are doing. So we start talking about where anywhere society has shouted to God to get out results in chaos. 
And despite what many believers believe, God's absence doesn't just leave a void for disorder and chaos to enter, but the evil spiritual forces to rush in as well. And even those who hold, when we talk about anti-religious beliefs, they struggle to deny the reality of evil at work and recent events. So as society orders the creator of order to leave, we should not be shocked to see the ruler of chaos and confusion, meaning the enemy of our souls to enter, spiritual forces are at work. I was watching, like I said, I'm talking about what's going on, people, whether they're going to go to the inauguration, whether they're going to go to Trump's event. It's like, why would you have an event on the same day that we supposed to be having the inauguration? It's like, really? But then I'm hearing that people are denying the invitation. Who would want to go? Who would want to be a part of that? You know, because when God stepped in, ain't no telling what's going to happen. I know I wouldn't want to be there. Now, like they said, whose side are you on? Whose team or who you're rolling with? Now, the third reason is Christ foretold the chaos and offers the solution. Now, we start talking about the solution. And even with this article that I'm going over or going through, and it talks about they laugh because somehow they were still surprised when the consequences of their own actions unfold. Jesus, as the Son of God, knew what was in man's heart, and he knows it today. And Jesus made sure that as Christians, we'll be ready for the natural consequence of sin. He did this by foretelling and warning us. So why are we surprised by the chaos in the world when Jesus spoke of persecution, war, earthly disaster, lawlessness, betrayal, people um, falling away, hating one another, and even more and more, and even other things that's going on? If anything, it should be a confirmation that Jesus is exactly who he said he is, the Son of God. But Jesus did not just foretell chaos. He offered solution himself. And the most comforting verse in all of scriptures that they say is to believe is John sixteen thirty three. I have said these things to you, that in me you have peace, and in the world you will have tribulations. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, believers, if you're struggling or shocked by the chaos seen in the streets of society today, even as it directly affects you, take comfort in this. Jesus wasn't. Oh, he grieved, as we all should be, deeply. But he's not surprised. He saw it long before we ever did. So, like I said, if you get into your word, if you get active in Bible study, and even if it's just two people having a Bible study and going over the Word, you won't be surprised. You'll be like, wow, there it is. Even if we, I mean, I love listening to gospel music, and I love listening to individuals and their testimony and what they've overcome and the things that they went through and the chaos. And, the, and it's just, it, it gives people hope and it helps strengthen them. Now, the good news is that he saw our human condition, the rebellion, the chaos, the confusion, the sin, and though we deserve death, still he offered up his life for us as a gift so we might be reconciled before God. Now, when one might say, well, why? So what did the chaos today can be redemption tomorrow if we Repent, receive his grace and forgiveness, and place our very lives in his hand. So what this article talks about is, so what should we do and how should we respond to the chaos? One is prayer. Sometimes we have to get on our knees and we got to pray. I've been praying, and I want you guys to pray for my daughter because I've been in Compton for the past couple of days. I've been listening to my daughter throw up. I've been listening to her, and I'm like, what is going on, Lord? Please heal my child. What is going on with my daughter to where 
she just just throw it up. I, well, at first I started going there and say, "Are you believe me? You know what in the world is this?" But we have to pray. We have to pray. Meaning, I've heard the very society who pushed out God and ushered in chaos convince Christians that prayer is the response to the cowardly. And sometimes, but then by that by that same token, prayer works, and prayer can change things. Even before we had our election, I went on and I put stuff on the on the, on um on the show and you know because I knew we had to turn some things around and the only way that was going to happen was through the power of prayer. Now even with that, sometimes we get confused because we pray for things because we want it, but it doesn't have to be in God's will. So we may not always get what we want, or God may not always show up when we want Him to, but He's gonna be on time. So. Prayer is action. Prayer is the action of those who have seen the true human condition manifest itself again and again and know that it is beyond building understanding, nurturing communities, or social activism. It takes our almighty and merciful God to change hearts, heal communities, and experience radical lasting change. It is done through his power manifested in his people. When we talk about his people, his people are you, his people are me. And that's why, like I said, I'm not going to even say it saddens me that no one called in because I know that some people are listening. But what I want to do is encourage people, empower people to let them know, if I'm taking time out of my busy schedule, and I mean busy schedule, to have this platform, you can't say, Nobody's listening to you. You can't say that you don't have nobody to talk to. You can't say you wasn't given an opportunity because I put it out there because God put it in me to do this. No matter how tired I am, no matter how sick I am, no matter what I'm going through, I still take time because God gives me the strength to do this, and I lay it back out there for you guys to have a platform so you can't say, well, nobody's paying us no attention. Even when we're talking about even me, even no matter who you are. So when we start talking about this chaos, sometimes we get so used to it. It's like my cousin was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he made a statement about somebody said, sometimes you can sit in mess long enough, you don't even smell it. Sometimes people get used to the chaos. It becomes normal to them. But we don't have to live like that. So when we talk about his people, it's you, it's me, it's friends, it's people in politics, it's individuals that have been assigned certain jobs. You know, I I tell individuals, I retired the first time in my life at 33, 33 years old. Like, what the word am I supposed to be doing retired? But I was able to retire. You know, I, I have lupus. Thank God I don't get sick. I mean, I haven't been sick. Sometimes I get in, I'm in pain, but I'm able to press my way. Um, next week, not next week, um, I think, what, next month? And I believe the end of this month, I'm going to be speaking and doing some, some I'm working on some projects for the Lupus Association. I'm going to be talking about lupus and hair loss. I'm going to be talking about lupus mind, body, and soul. I'm going to be doing another um, thing with another lady by the name of Lyric. She has her own production studio in Georgia, and I'm going to be doing some speaking with her, talking about mental health. So there's a lot of different platforms for individuals to listen to, to join, because even though we're dealing with this pandemic, did not shut people up. Individuals found another way to become creative, and it's interesting because I had already told one of my interns I needed to do this even before the pandemic, but I do got to upgrade my computer stuff. So when we start talking about his people, we are his people. So that's the first thing we have to do is pray. Prayer works. And when necessary, repent. We all must take an honest look at our long-held beliefs of other people and weigh it against the truth of God's word. I know I said something the other day, and my daughter held me accountable. I was I was talking about a person that had lost a lot of weight, and, I mean, she's lost a lot of weight. 
But then as I'm watching her and I'm seeing her post and her pictures of her losing weight and her daughter is actually gaining weight, now they're flipping um, the reversal, meaning now the daughter is going to be already going through self-esteem issues and, and um, distorted body image and, you know, and the mother is not paying no attention to what's going on with the daughter. And I made a comment talking to my daughter, and I said, her mother lost all that weight for her daughter to go find it. My daughter stopped me and said, Mommy, you're wrong for that. And I laughed, even though I wasn't trying to be funny, but I had to catch myself in regard to what I said. I had to repent because I wasn't nice. So when we start talking about that, is we have to repent if we know we're going against the truth of God's words and context. Because as a believer, we must look and we must ask God the hard question like, what does God, or what is it God, what does your word say about how I live as a believer? And how can I apply it? Now, when we're talking about applying it, God, am I doing all that I can to help and serve my neighbors? Is my life a true reflection of Jesus' love, or am I just paying lip service? God, am I placing my personal experience in a higher place than your word in my life? God, will you reveal my true heart to me? And God, do I have any prejudice ways in me? Now, that right there, we start talking about prejudice ways, biases, mean-spirited. We see it a lot. We even see it in families, and that's where some of the family chaos comes from or where it's originated. And whatever sin God reveals, repent. It's by God's mercy he reveals our true nature to us. Like I said, when my daughter pointed out, Mom, you know you was wrong for that. I had to think about that. But then I was like, is she paying any attention? Is she watching it? Is she seeing it? And, and the way I was looking at it was if she knew what she went through, if she knew how she felt, why inflict this onto your child? But my daughter was like, Mom, you're wrong for that. And I was. The next thing is not only repent, we have to respond. Once we prayed and repented, we must actually respond appropriately when God's words convict us. Resist the temptation to obey what our cultural pressures you to do. Meaning, a lot of times we think, well, I can do what I want. I can say what I want. I got free freedom of speech. Or it was, no, um, what's the, the um, little thing, laugh out loud, or I was just playing it. No, you wasn't. So the thing is, when we start talking about once we've been convicted, we got to resist the temptation to obey our culture that you do too, you do, and resist the temptation to judge others. Christian conviction. We got a bad habit of judging other folks. And in whatever way God calls you to respond, do it in obedience to Him alone. Meaning, so often we are trying to be obedient to man, we forget about being obedient to God. Because God is the only one that can judge us. We, God is the one, when we have to stand before him and, and all the stuff that we've done, Ray Ray Pookie and everybody else ain't going to be there laughing at us like in the peanut gallery. But by that same token, we got to be obedient to him alone. Let that alone be your conviction. Weep with those who weep. Make the phone call. Help your neighbor. Sometimes we got to learn how to have tough conversations with folks. Love those who hate you. And that right there is hard. You know, sometimes you got to love them with the love of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying put yourself in harm's way. I'm not saying because hate is powerful. It's very powerful. And sometimes they may not hate you. They may dislike your behavior. They may dislike some of your habits, and you may dislike some of their habits. But it shouldn't be as strong as hate and strife, you know, because with strife, strife is powerful, where you can be around someone knowing that your whole goal is to destroy them. 
So, like I said, love those who hate you. You don't have to confront them about it. You don't have to tell them, oh, I know you jealous. You don't need to do all of that. And abandon your pride. Pride gets people in trouble because pride is something that not only has a lot to do with chaos. When we talk about, or not to talk about we, but just a reflection as I'm thinking about what's going on with the transfer of power, it was our president's pride. He did all that talking, talking about folks, belittling folks, putting people down. His pride is on the line. He's giving out false information, telling people all of these lies. Abandon your pride. You know, I'm not saying show up now because you're going to cause so much chaos till it might not be a good thing to do. But we do need to abandon our pride. And listen well to those who are of different race and background from you. One of the things that I've learned is you can learn a lot from a person when you listen. Just listen to them. Learn from them. Learn about their culture. Learn about the way they think. Sometimes we're so afraid and we're so intimidated by people or because a person comes from another culture or another country or they have views different from yours. That doesn't make their views wrong. Listen. That's why even in school of psychology, we learned the difference between acculturation and assimilation, how some things we can assimilate. That's the one thing I like about the new or the transition of power or the transition that we have going on is we have diverse individuals. I trained in diversity leadership. I had to learn some things about other cultures. I had to set aside some of the things that my mother said, my grandmother said, my father told me. You know, and, and now I'm talking about moving to the South. I'm like, uh, do I, am I really going to be able to live in the South? Knowing that I've been in California all my life, I don't know if I can do all of this. But listen, and we can learn from people from different race and different backgrounds from us. And humble yourself in order to learn from others. got to humble yourself. Talk to your kids about the values of the very precious human life. A lot of times what happens is people have no value of human life. They have no hope. They give up. They're afraid. So we got to talk to individuals and read God's word and speak its truth, not your perception, not what you think it is, not the way you feel, because your feeling is not a fact. But you got to speak the truth. Because as you read the word and you speak its truth, only if you can speak it out of love and share the gospel. And they even give us a bonus in regards to this. And it talks about, because <laughs> a lot of times we put things on, on uh, Facebook, a lot of times we put things on Instagram and Snapchat and all of that. But one of the things they talk about is Jesus never called his disciples to live a passivity and comfort but neither did he call them to live of the mere social activism. So we don't have to force things on people. We don't have to I, – I was, I was at my auntie's funeral, and I told this man the other day I was so hungry. I said, you lucky, because back in the day he had a bag of chips. I don't know where he got them from. I told that man, I said, back in the day I took some chips from you. And, I, and he looked at me because he thought I was playing. I wasn't playing, but I don't do those things like I used to. So when we start talking about even the activism, and he called them, and he called Christians to live lives of love. And we're talking about of love, a world, not a world um, contrasting of a world of hate, but to holiness and contrasting a world of sin to life and the world of death, freedom, and of bondage. To salvation, contrasting a world of destruction. To unity. When we talk about unity, unity is big. And to Christians, confidence contrasting the world of fear to hope, contrasting the world of despair, having a sound spirit of contrasting the world of chaos. So when we start talking about chaos, and they also talk about the third one is, why are we shocked? Reasons why society chaos shouldn't be a surprise. We already know. Now, I gave you guys a lot of information, and I'm trying to see what this, who wrote this article. 
because this article is very well written, and it speaks a lot about things even from a Christian perspective. And they have more information, and it, it also talks about we also have to pray for one another. And the article came from madematchless.com, and the title of this article, as they talk about it, and it goes into why are we shocked, three reasons why societal chaos shouldn't surprise Christians. So I hope you enjoyed this show, and I want to thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Next week I'm going to be talking about rejected hate. Because we got to understand what's in us that's causing us to dislike certain things, certain people. we got to reject that. Because if we reject that, then we can break off or chip off some of this chaos that we're living in. So please be safe. Please be loving and kind. Do away with your pride. we got to stop all this killing in the street. And we got to start loving and caring for one another. So... Until next week, I want to thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. And remember, you've got this. Thank you.